All right, if you got a Bible, Luke chapter 2 um, is where we're going. So grab a Bible, open it, turn it on, follow along on screen in your outline or on the Central Church app, um, Luke chapter 2. Uh, we're in week number three of our series called Home for Christmas. In this series, um, the past couple of weeks, we have mentioned this word peace. Um, but during the Christmas season, it doesn't seem to be peaceful, does it? In fact, it, it seems to be more chaos than peace, right? And, and if we could just admit, um, all of us, it's because there are some things we look forward to at Christmas time. Like there are some things that we love about Christmas and there are some things we don't love about Christmas. We would all say there are some really good things about Christmas, but there are some things that are just kind of bad about Christmas. And when it comes to the Christmas season, there becomes a lot of chaos in the season. Yes or no? Yes. Now, in week number one, we talked about the different phrases, different things, and you know, these are some good things people say, these are some bad things people say. Um, I want to create some tension in the room again today, because that was so much fun. And so, so I, got, I got a little survey, kind of see where you're at on things, and, and see kind of how divided we are as a church, all right? Because we divide over things at Christmas time, like, like this, real tree versus fake tree. Just curious, how many of you are on the real tree? How many are on the fake tree side? Real tree, raise your hand. Everybody look around. There's weirdos. There's people enjoy pine cones, pine needles in your home, on the floor. You probably still got a needle like stuck in your foot from three years ago. You're just too proud to take it out. Get the real tree. Love the real tree. Fake tree. How many? Yes, these are the smart genius of Jesus followers right here. We just know. It's broken. It won't go back at the box right. Throw it away. We get another one at Walmart next year. Who cares? Don't even matter. How about this one? Only open presents on the 24th or the 25th. How many of you? 24th. Christmas Eve, we can open maybe a couple presents. That's, that's not me. I'm going to put my hand down. My wife, right over here, halfway her hand started going up. Oh, no, we don't. How many 25th? It's the 25th only. How many of you, it doesn't matter because you already know what you're getting? Because you already did a little razor blade trick and you like, took the tape out, put it back, Mario. I mean, hypothetically, the person that you would, will never know that you know. Or you told your daughter, like, you will tell me what I'm getting or you'll get no presents yourself, right? Nobody ever does that, right? How about this one? Regular eggnog or spiked eggnog? Regular, how about regular? No, I'm not going to ask you. I'm not going to ask you. It's central. I know. The only reason we really did this right here is so we could pay tribute to one of the greatest Christmas movies of all time, The Gremlins. Yeah. See, I, I know it's not the greatest Christmas movie of all time. I know. Everybody knows the greatest Christmas movie of all time is what? Die Hard, right? The greatest Christmas movie of all time. Anyway, we could debate all day long about different things, but we can all agree that there's some issues that we're divided about on Christmas, and there are things that actually bring chaos and confusion into our lives. In fact, if I could do this, if I could ask everybody to come up with an adjective to describe how you feel during the Christmas season, or, or even how you feel today. Like, like if I were to be like, how are you feeling? Like, what's one word that describes your life right now during the Christmas season, or maybe just through December, or maybe even the past year? Give me a word that describes your life. And we could all come up with a lot of different words. We could, we could make a huge list of words. Like some people, like if I were to ask you, you would say busy. Like right now, I'm busy. Busy is a word you would use to describe your life right now. Because this is the craziest time of year for many of us, yes? 
At work, it's busy. At school, it's busy. I asked a couple of college kids a week ago, I was like, how's school going? They're like, we got exams. Shut your mouth. Don't talk to me. I will cut you. It's like, dang, Chloe, calm down, kid. It's okay. (laughs) Busy, right? Or how about this? Some people might write down stress. Because you got stressful things going on. It's Christmas. And you've got in-laws or outlaws to visit, however you look at that relationship. You got to get all your work done before you go on break. Because even though your boss is giving you a day off, he still expects everything to get done. And if you don't get it done, it's going to be there when you get back. So you have to get it done. And you got to hurry. And you got to do this. You got to do that. And it just becomes incredibly stressful. Or it leads to the next word, frustrated. I'm frustrated because I have to get everything done. I'm frustrated because I don't have enough time to get this done. I'm frustrated because everybody wants this and everybody wants that and I've got to go here and I got to do this and ah or how about confused I'm confused I don't know what to get my wife for Christmas I don't know what to get so and so for Christmas I don't know what to do I got to get this gift I got to get this gift I got to get by the way if you're wondering your pastor wears a size hellcat and so if you're just wondering anyway no stressful right somebody might write down lonely because Christmas looks a little bit different this year. Here's where I'm going with this. There's a lot of words that we could write down to describe how we feel. But probably the word that most of us would not write down right here is that word, peace. Like, like most people are not saying, well, I don't know, Ryan. I'm at peace. Everything's great in my life. I'm at peace in my relationship with others. I'm at peace where I'm at right now in my life circumstances. I'm at peace in my relationships. I'm at peace with God. Listen, Ryan, everything in my life is great. The word that describes me is peace. And if you would say that today, I would say, welcome to Central, Jesus. Because the rest of us, right? The rest of us, if we're honest, that's not how we feel. And in fact, we struggle with peace because let's be honest, there's some crazy stuff going on in our world. In fact, one of the questions that many of us have probably asked is in light of, in light of what's transpiring in our world, is peace even possible? I mean, is it possible to have peace in our relationships? Is it possible to have peace despite what is going on in my life? Is it even possible to have peace, true peace in my relationship with God? Because most of us, the majority of us that are honest, when it comes to life, there's some good things and there's some not so good things. And most of the time, it's not peace that we feel. It's chaos. We feel chaotic emotionally. We feel like life's chaotic physically. And if we're incredibly honest, we feel like life can be chaotic spiritually. And the spiritual level is the deepest struggle. And so with all that in mind, I want to show you a story in Luke chapter 2. And I had different plans for this message today, but uh, Thursday I, I worked and worked and worked and I couldn't make it come together. And so, and so I landed on telling this story um, of probably my favorite group of people um, that I probably identify with the most in the entire Bible, um, and it's the shepherds. In Luke chapter 2, verse 8 says this, and there were shepherds living out in the field nearby, keeping watch over their flock at night. Circle that phrase, at night. It's very, very, very important. We're going to come back to that. Keeping watch over their flocks 
at night. Now, we're going to talk about the shepherds because I believe if anybody struggled with having peace in their circumstances, peace in life, peace with God, it was the shepherds. Because the shepherds, they had some good things going for them, and they had some not good things going for them. The shepherds, real quick, a little history about them, they were Israelites. They were God's children. And they had a super important role. They were the ones who, who were um, commissioned to bring forth the sacrificial lamb. That's a pretty important role, right? The lamb was going to get sacrificed in the temple. Like that was, that was their thing. And so for them, they felt like because of their position as Israelites and because of their position as, as, as sheep herders and bringing forth the ceremonial lamb, that they belong to God. And so spiritually, they felt like, hey, because of my activity, I've got some good things going on. But on the other side, they were shepherds. Like shepherds. And shepherds, in that society, I don't, I don't know any shepherds. I don't know anything about shepherding. But back then, shepherds were considered to be on the lowest rung of the ladder socially. They were considered to be ceremonially unclean. Now, that's a big phrase, and so let me unpack that. Ceremonially unclean meant that they were separated from God because of what they did. Even though they prepared the sacrificial lamb, they presented the sacrificial lamb to the priest they were ceremonial unclean and separated from God. That meant they couldn't go into the temple. And because they couldn't go into the temple, they couldn't have their sins forgiven. And because they couldn't have their sins forgiven, they always felt like, well, you know, I've got some good things going on spiritually in my life. I've got some good spiritual activity. I'm, I'm, I'm participating. I've got this thing going on. But this whole shepherding thing, I just can't get past that. If anybody on the planet wrestled with peace, it was the shepherds. And so with that in mind, let's keep reading verse 9. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were, what's that next word say? What is it? Terrified. See, everybody thinks that when an angel shows up, it's all like, ah. Like every once in a while, you hear a story of somebody going out and buying some tacos or some tortillas, and they, and they see a picture of an angel on it, right? That's not an angel. It's a really cool tortilla. Slap some cheese on it, make you a Jesus quesadilla or something. I don't know. It's great. But when an angel showed up in the Bible, people freaked out. These are not fat kids in togas with wings. I've told you, those are precious moments. Those are not angels. Angels are great, big, scary, created by God beings. And the shepherds, they were what? Terrified. They freaked out. Let me tell you why. They believed in an afterlife. They believed that one day they would die and they would stand in front of a holy God. And they believed that they would be judged. And so in their minds, they thought, oh crap. God's tired of what's going on. God's tired of this whole shepherding lifestyle. God has come to lower the boom. But then the story takes a huge turn for the good for them and for us. Watch this, verse 10. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. How many of the people? All the people. Not some of the people. Not part of the people. Not people who are just like me. All right, all the people. Great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. Don't miss that. A Savior. 
A savior. A what? A savior. Not a homeboy. Not a buddy. Not an advisor. Not a counselor. Not even a good friend. A savior. And the reason the savior was born is because we needed to be saved, right? We'll talk about that next week. A savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah of the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appear with the angel, praising God and saying, this is where we're going today, watch this, and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace, peace. There's a, there's a promise. Right here in scripture is a promise. Peace on earth, peace to those who misfavor rest. We, we are promised in scripture we are promised peace. And we're not promised peace because of our possessions. And we're not promised peace because of our position. And we're not promised peace because of anything else. We're promised peace in the person of Jesus Christ. In Christ, and in Christ alone, there's the promise of peace. Now, most of us wrestle with that sometime. Even those of us who say that we follow Jesus. In fact, there are basically three reasons we wrestle with peace. If you want to write these down in your outline, you can. Number one is past sin. We wrestle with peace because of past sin. Now, for some of us, that could be current sin, but for many of us, it's past sin. It's the thing in our past that we can't seem to get past, no matter what happens. And the funny thing about our past is it has an amazing way of coming into our present and completely ruining our future. I don't know if you've ever dealt with that, but, but I have. In fact, let me tell you a story about it. In fact, this, this is what I call my little Shannon story. In fifth grade, I went to Amherst Elementary School in Maslin, Ohio. That's my own stomping grounds. I'm originally from Ohio. And in the fifth grade, we had lunch. And then immediately after lunch, we had gym. Lunch and then gym. I don't know what genius administrator put that schedule together, but that was my schedule. We had lunch, and then we had gym. Super, super, super important to remember that. On this particular day, at lunch, we had burritos. Very important to remember that. In fact, I'm going to ask everybody on three to tell me what I had for lunch that day. One, two, three. Burritos. I just need us all to be on the same page. All right, I want you to know that burritos tend to give people gastrointestinal issues that you're literally going to have to wrestle with for the rest of the day. And people around you are probably going to have to wrestle with as well, right? Just so you know where we're going. Just so we're in the same library, reading the same book, looking at the same word. The word is what? Burritos. Lunch and then? And burritos. Now, on this particular day, we were in the middle of, back then this is when the presidential fitness test things first started coming out. So on this day, we were doing our sit-up test. <laughs> You've heard this story before or you have this story, right? So we're standing against the wall and they're numbering us off. One, two, one, two, one, two. You remember how they did that? And the number ones and the number twos were partners. And I was number one who's standing next to me was Shannon. Now Shannon, hands down, was the prettiest girl in the fifth grade. Everyone had a crust on Shannon. Everybody loved 
loved Shannon. I mean, as much as you can love somebody in the fifth grade, that's how much we love Shannon. As beautiful as a fifth grader could be, Shannon was absolutely gorgeous. And I knew today was my day to win her heart because I was going to do more sit-ups than anyone in the entire class. And she was going to be so impressed. And she was going to be, oh, Ryan, please be mine, sit-up master. And so you know how sit-up tests go, right? One person is going to commence the sit-uping, and the other person is going to hold their feet in place, and the teacher blows the whistle, and, and you start going. Now remember, what did I have for lunch that day? Burritos. Burritos. This is good. You know where this is going. And so the gym teacher says, get ready, set, and blows the whistle. And I went, one, two, and on the third sit-up, I just parted her hair literally it was the worst thing ever so we're like i can't believe you're talking about this at church you should have had to live through it it mortified me i quit i quit right then and there two and three quarter sit-ups is all i did that was it and i never ever 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 will forget her face she went I can taste it. I'm sure her parents had to put her in counseling and it was all bad and everything. Dude, listen, I never, ever, ever to this day, I'm embarrassed telling you this story. I never got over that. The next year we went to Jackson Junior High School. I never will forget walking down the hall. I would see Shannon. I would think back to that event every single time I saw her. Couldn't make eye contact with her. Couldn't have a conversation with her. There were literally times I would see her coming. I would duck into another classroom just because it haunted me so bad. We moved to Indiana before before I started high school and I didn't have to see her anymore. And then listen, about eight years or so ago, this is honest to God, true story. I get a Facebook message. This person wanted to, we, we had done some videos here and, and they wanted to, like, they wanted to use them and, and, um, and so it was from Shannon and she said, I bet you don't remember me. I was like, girl, there's not a day goes by I don't think about that fart. Like, I just, it was just, it was a horrible part of my past that I couldn't get rid of. Now, that's my little Shannon story and it's pretty funny. But for some of us, the part of our past that haunts us is not so funny. Most people have a part of our past that we're not really proud of. And it was a decision that we made that maybe led to a a series of worse decisions that we can't seem to even today get out of. Maybe it was a long season of our life that we lived. Isn't it funny that the thing about our past is that it's, it's, it's funny. It always seems to appear at the craziest times. And it robs us of our joy and it robs us of our hope and it robs us of our peace. And some of us, the reason we don't like Christmas is because we see relatives that remind us of a past that we're desperately trying to get away from. And they continually remind us, that's who you are. That's what you did. That's all you'll ever be. For some of us, man, our history, it just haunts us. And even though we feel like we don't live that way anymore, there are people who want to continually remind us or the enemy wants to continually bring up that's what you did. That's who you are. That's all you'll ever be. Or maybe some of us, it's not our history. It's our current reality. There's something that we did in our life right now that, that we know is wrong. And we carry guilt and pain and shame. If anybody, listen to me, if anybody could relate with us, it's the shepherds. 
I mean, the shepherds, good gosh, they, they were growing up. They had a pretty good life. They had some stuff going on for them. Everything was going great. But at some point in their life, they made a choice to be a shepherd. They, they knew that being a shepherd was the lowest rung. They, they knew that there was nothing good about being a shepherd. And they chose shepherding as their livelihood. And maybe they could rationalize it, which is what most of us do when we sin. We rationalize it. And when we rationalize, we tell ourselves rational lies. But nonetheless, that's probably what the shepherds did. And I'm sure there were many nights sitting on the hillside when they were sitting around looking at their sheep, thinking about their past, going, man, if I just wouldn't have done that, if I just wouldn't have gone there, if I just wouldn't have participated in that thing, my life would look incredibly different right now. They had a past that was affecting their present and in their mind was going to dominate their future because to them, because of what they had done, this is who I am and this is all I'm ever going to be. And isn't it funny that those are the people that God sent an angel to to announce the birth of his son, Jesus Christ. He was telling them, hey guys, hey, I've got some good news for you. You guys feel like you're stuck and you feel like you're drowning and you feel like you need help. I got great news. I sent a savior. His name is Jesus. And if you will just go see Jesus, and, and don't miss this, he met them exactly where they were in the exact condition of what they were doing in the exact moment when he, they needed him the most. He said, go see Jesus. Go see Jesus. He can help you escape the prison of your past. That decision you made might not have been the right decision, but completely forgiven and made brand new. As soon as you meet my son, Jesus. Some of us in this room, you're never going to achieve your destiny until you get away from your history. And the only way we can get past our past is through the person of Jesus Christ. Because in Christ, we are offered forgiveness of our sins. And we're offered forgiveness fully, freely, and forever. Fully, freely, and forever. It's the best deal going. It really is. And I know some people are like, oh, no, Ryan. Oh man, that sounds too good to be true. If I just receive Jesus, that's what I get. Go back to verse 12. Verse 12 said, and on earth peace, peace to whom his favor, and that, that word favor can also be translated grace, on whose his favor, his grace rests. It's only, it's only by the grace of God that we don't feel the chaos in life anymore and where we can know peace when we're surrendered to his will. That's number one, past sin. Number two is present circumstances. We struggle, we wrestle with peace because of our present circumstances. Many of us have been told by the world some of the faults that we have. And what the world has told us, again, is that's who you are. Because of who you are, you're stuck. There's nothing that could ever come out of the mess that you're in. You can never get out of it. You're always going to be there. We've been told your present circumstances define your future. And, and that's it. It's who you are. It's what you did. It's all you're ever going to be. And you can't believe that because the world is out of its flipping mind. Because the world doesn't know Jesus. Let's bring it back to Christmas. There's some good things in regards to Christmas and circumstances about Christmas. But, but there's also some things that we don't like so much. Like this year for Christmas, for some, Christmas is going to be awesome. And for others, this is the reality, and I don't mean to be grim, but Christmas is going to stink this year. For, for example, th this could be your, your first Christmas with a new baby. First Christmas with a new baby? Man, I'm telling you, that is an 
awesome, awesome Christmas. Right, parents? First Christmas, new baby, that is awesome. However, a little parenting tip right here. This is free. This is my Christmas present to new parents. If you bought your baby a present, you wasted your money. Seriously, right, parents? Am I wrong? No. All you got to do is wrap the box. All right, that's it, empty box. They'll eat the paper, they'll eat the box, they'll be happy. There you go, Merry Christmas. That was free. That first Christmas with a baby, that's an awesome Christmas. This could be your first Christmas married. That's a fun Christmas, right? First Christmas married. We talked about that a little bit last week. Got the Barry White, the candles. Wah, 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 wah. Anyway, um, <laughs> this could be your first Christmas that you've been employed for a while. That's a good Christmas, right? You can actually afford to buy presents. Listen, for some of us, we can celebrate because circumstances are good. But for others, this might not be a very merry Christmas. Maybe this is your first Christmas without someone. Someone very near and dear to you has passed away. and It's the first time they haven't been at the table in your life. And you struggle with that. Maybe this is going to be your first Christmas as a divorced person. And you never saw that coming. And the loneliness that's associated with that isn't very merry. Maybe this is the first Christmas that you're not employed. You're unemployed, and so you're struggling with those circumstances. Maybe this is the Christmas where the doctor has told you or someone you love, hey, this is probably going to be your last Christmas. Here's the one thing I know. In life, we can go from feeling great to feeling like crap with one phone call. And our present circumstances, you know what I've discovered with most people? We don't always want peace but we'll settle for relief. Like, I, don't, I don't even think peace is possible, Ryan. But you know what? Can, can I get some relief? Can I just have some relief from my current circumstances? And I'll bet the shepherds felt the same way because I believe the shepherds felt stuck. I believe the shepherds probably felt like, well, this is my life. This is it. It's all I'm ever gonna be. Sure, I got some good days, but my bad days outweigh my good days. And reality is all I am is a shepherd. All I'm ever going to be is a shepherd. I'm just stuck here. I made the choice. I don't even know why I'm alive. Here's the thing I've learned in ministry over the years. When we struggle with our current circumstances, we also tend to struggle with our purpose in life. Why am I here, God? God, why was I even born? God, what am I doing? If, if this is my life, God, like this is horrible. I'm not enjoying this. Why, why am I even here? And I'm only talking to people this morning who are honest enough to admit that we struggle sometimes with our present circumstances. But isn't it funny that the Bible says, I told you to remember that phrase at night, right? Think about this. In the darkest time, don't miss that, during the darkest time of the shepherd's life physically, God broke through. And he broke through with an angel that declared the message of Jesus Christ. And with the message of Jesus Christ, the shepherds could understand, you know what? We're shepherds, but we're not stuck. Because Jesus was literally calling them out of where they were to a greater 
place with him. He was telling them, you're shepherds, but I'm not through with you. I have a purpose for you. You're not an accident. You have meaning. You mean something to God. And the same message that Jesus had for the shepherds over 2,000 years ago, he has for us today. There's a purpose in your life. You're not stuck where you are. You might feel stuck, but you're not stuck because purpose in life can be found in the person of Jesus Christ. Listen, I don't know what you're wrestling with today, but here's what I know. God's not finished with you yet. There's a purpose. There's a reason you were put on this planet and you are not defined by your circumstances. And Jesus might not pull you out of the situation that you're in, but he has promised to walk with you through it and give you peace while you're in the middle of it. Listen, we say this all the time. If you're not dead, God's not If you're not dead, God's not done with you and you're not stuck. You plug in. You connect with Jesus Christ and you watch him light up your purpose like you have never, ever seen before. He did it for the shepherds and he'll do it for you. Number three is uncertain future. We wrestle with peace because of an uncertain future. All of us have have faced uncertainty just in the past couple of years. COVID has changed the landscape of our world Every day we're told something new and different and the news and all of that creates fear and uncertainty, right? Everybody's uncertain about the future and we could spend hours talking about that. Well, well, the shepherds were uncertain about the future too, but it wasn't because of COVID. It was this thing called death and eternity because for them back then, you might not believe this, but you can look it up. I promise you it's true. Um, back then, the death rate hovered right at about 100%. It, it did. And, and by the way, um, I've checked. All of you right now, our death rate in Iowa hovers at, anybody want to guess? 100%. I know that's morbid. Again, Merry Christmas. Welcome to Central. Um, but they were freaked out about their future because as we already said, on one side, they felt like, hey, I, I'm good with God because I'm God's child. I, I take the sacrificial lamb to the temple. I can't go in, but I mean, we provide, we have good activity. And on the other hand, they were like, well, I've done some stuff that I'm not really proud of, and I don't know. I, mean, I walk in front of God. I, I don't know what he's going to say. I don't know what he's going to see. Maybe, maybe there's some parts of me that he won't know. Maybe if I take off my shepherd robe, maybe he won't know that I am a shepherd. I, I, just, I, just, I just don't know. Maybe I can hide some of my stuff from God. Isn't that how we show up at church sometimes? We show up with our jacked up lives. We say, hey, I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm good. Everything's, everything's good. And many of us spend so much of our life Spending, pretending that we're good, but not understanding when we stand in front of God, God sees everything. And the shepherds knew that. The shepherds knew that when they stepped into eternity, they would stand in front of God and they were confused about their future because they were like, hey, what side do we get judged on? Do we get judged on the good side or the bad side? Do we get judged on the fact that we're taking the lamb or that we're raising the lamb? And they were absolutely freaked out. And in that moment of uncertainty, God shows up to them and promises them salvation and peace in the person of Jesus Christ. Listen, every one of us, this this is the reality of our life. We sin. Every one of us. Our reality is that we mess up. There is nobody here that would stand up and say, I've never sinned. Because if you did that, I would call you a liar. And you had just sinned, right? We all sin. Here's the only problem with sin. If you want to really boil it down to, to one main idea, is that sin completely separates us from God. That's what it does. Sin completely separates us from God. And we can't have peace when we're separated from God. And so we feel 
the chaos. And we feel that there's so much chaos in our lives that we can never get to the side of peace. But here's the one thing I know about feelings. Feeling can be, feelings can be very misleading sometimes, right? Like, have you ever felt something and, and that feeling turned out to not be true? Hey, I felt this. I felt like this. I felt this. I felt this. Remember the first time you felt like you were in love? Maybe you were at the skating rink and you kind of skating around. They did the couple skate. You're just holding hands. Skating backwards. Remember that? Oh, I love you. This is all great. And this is so awesome. I got to go. My mom's picking me up. Now you don't even know their name, right? Or maybe you do. They're in prison. I don't know what your past is like, but maybe it's one of those. Felt something, but it wasn't true. Here's what I'm saying. If you feel chaotic spiritually, you feel like God has abandoned you. You feel like God has left you. And you feel like God has forgotten you. Your feelings have led you astray. Because while you feel like Jesus has abandoned you or forsaken you or deserted you or is causing you chaos, he's telling you, hey, hey, there's peace and surrender. We've talked each week in the series about how peace is found in the presence of God when we surrender to his will. And each week I've asked you, what is it that you need to say yes to? And today I'm gonna ask it again. Today, are you looking for the peace that surpasses all understanding? Are you trying to sort out the chaos in your life apart from Jesus? I want to let you know, apart from Jesus, you will never, ever, ever know peace. Now, I said in week one that during this time of year, there are a lot of phrases that we see to remind us of the Christmas season. Some are good, some are bad. And I saw this one the other day, and some of you have seen it, you've heard it. It says, no Jesus, no peace. No Jesus, no peace. But if you know Jesus, you know peace. And I thought that was a great way to end the message today with that reminder. To know Jesus is to know peace. But without him, you will never be able to experience the peace that only he can bring. And so what is it that you need to do today? Do you need to say yes to something he's calling you into or something he's calling you out of? Or do you need to finally stop running, listen to his call, and just come home? Surrender your life to him and know a peace that you have never, ever known before. Peace is found in the presence of God when we surrender to his will. Claudia is going to lead us in a song, and you might know it, you might not. She might go through it once, and it might become familiar if, if that's the case. Sing, sing along with her, or, or just, just sit and listen. I'm not going to ask you to stand, but just sit and, and listen through the song as she sings about the peace that God offers to us. And any time during this song, if, if you would like somebody to pray with you or for you, step out of your aisle and step out the back door. There'll be people back there who will direct you to our prayer room where there'll be people who would love to pray with you and for you about what you might be struggling with. Maybe today you're, you're wrestling with this whole idea of peace and they would love to talk with you more about that. Maybe you don't know Jesus Christ as your savior. They would love to talk with you about that and, and lead, you, um, lead you through a prayer um, that, that would take you into this, this time where Jesus could come into your life, where you, you acknowledge him as your savior. Whatever it is you need today, whether it's just to sit here or whether you need prayer, use this time for you, for you to connect with God.